and welcome to Telling the Tale. It's the podcast in which I, Mitchell Farley Wolf, am going to talk to you about Telltale video games. But it's not just me talking to you, and it's not just me talking to myself. I'm here with a person, and that person is my, as per usual, co host, Dustin Jackson. How's it going? Good, I'm glad you clarified your Mitchell Wolf, because if you didn't, I would have thought I was doing the podcast with Patrick Warburton for a second. Is that, did I... You, you, you started with, hello and welcome. Hello! <laughs> welcome to Telling the Tale. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes I, I think about, like, have I ever seen me and Patrick Warburton in the same room at the same time? No. <laughs> and that could just mm. be that we're very different people and don't go in the same circles, or we're the same person. A lot to think about there. Or he's hiding in our friend circles as someone else. Or he's hiding in one of your friends, which is me. He's hiding in me. <laughs> he's inside you like Mufasa. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, Back to the Future, the video game. Um, episode 2, Get Tannen, was released. We're going to get Tannen. We're going to get Tannen this time. We didn't do that last time, but this time we're going to get him. Uh, it was released on February 17th, 2011, uh, two months after the original episode came out. So now we're, we're, we're in the thick of the season. That first episode was sort of released on its own. Now we're in it. Now this is for realsies. It was directed by Peter Tseiskel. Tseiskel? Tseikel. Tseikel. Peter Tseikel. And designed and written, again, by uh, Hartzell and Stemmel. Uh, so we're, we're getting wow, a lot of the them. same DNA. What do you think of this episode? I liked it. The, the thing about this episode is it really does feel like episodes one and two are like, should be like one episode. I, I feel like there's... If I think of them as one episode, then I'm like, oh, yeah, this was pretty good. There was a lot going on. But if I think about either one separate, it's like, well, not really that much happened. I do think I enjoyed this one more than episode one for some reason. I don't know. When I was going through it, I thought it was a little more interesting. But it really, you're just in, like, the one spot again. Uh, it's all the same character. You get, like, one or two new characters. Uh but it is good. It's just so weird. It, it feels like an episode got cut in half. And if they were together, it would be great. But since they're separate, neither one really feels like a full episode. Yeah, Back to the Future, the video game. It's not called that. It's called Back to the Future, the game. It's turning out to be a lot more serial than episodic so far. Which is... Uh, well, it's a first for Telltale games for us at least uh i'm, I'm trying to think if the, that's ever happened before this point maybe monkey island a little bit um but each episode of sam and max is so different from each other even every episode uh like every case within csi was so different every strong bad mm -hmm. episode was very different from each other um and, and we're not we're not really seeing that anymore i think we talked last week about how uh, I assumed going into this, like, hey, Back to the Future, but five episodes. I bet every episode is a different time period. And we're already, like, not doing that. Yeah. 
Uh, We've had two episodes with the same time period. Well, kind of. And we'll, we'll get into that. that that's yeah. not exactly the case. But uh, it does some interesting things here. I think I, I agree uh, on its own as an episode. It, it you know, it's, it's not very solid, but it's paying off a lot of what made episode one feel sort of lackluster so yeah, I'm, so i'm it, enjoying that's that a, yeah that's exactly how i feel about it where like i i i can't say that i didn't like this episode or even that i thought it was bad at all but it's it's just weird the way they did it because yeah so what makes this episode interesting is that we did have the first episode to kind of start building up these things and then the only reason this episode is that interesting is because we played episode one because like if it were just this i think it might be even a little bit less interesting than the first episode if it were just it on its own just because in the first episode you know we had meeting young doc brown yeah that felt like a big moment in this one you just go in the speakeasy which is a nice new environment uh you meet some new characters there but i mean not a whole lot else really happens it it just feels like the payoffs to that first episode yeah well let's talk it out uh let's talk through the structure of this episode yeah let's do that so the stinger last week was you see Marty starting to fade out of existence and Doc Brown can't find Einstein uh, and you don't know why that's happening. And this week, that's immediately answered. Uh, you look at the newspaper and you find out that Arthur McFly has been murdered by Kid Tan in order to keep him quiet uh, so he can't testify um, all, all the financial stuff that's been going on within the mob. He, he... It's interesting because, like, this this is obviously bad. You don't want Arthur McFly to die. But when you listen to him talk, you kind of get it. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, you got that Crispin <laughs> the, the performance kind of the, the performance of not Crispin Glover kind of grew on me just because of how pathetic it sounds. But still, it's like, oh, geez, I sure hope Kid Tannen and his gang don't come and kill me. <laughs> It'd be a bummer to get murdered today. <laughs> Let me write down my address. <laughs> he's such a loser. Yeah, he's he's great. I don't know. Um, in in the Back to the Future movies, they really stress how like all of the past McFlies have been just chicken shit losers, and mm-hmm. in and and then like Marty just isn't. And I've all I always wondered like it doesn't seem like they answered this. Why isn't Marty a loser? Maybe because he didn't want to be like his dad. Maybe his dad being such a loser made him be like, "Oh, geez, I don't want to. I don't want to be like him." Yeah, but now we know his dad had a, the same dad, and also like the Wild West. Uh, Eric McFly I, was was also pretty cowardice or cowardly. Yeah, uh, I mean, maybe Marty's just the first one to want to break the break the chain. Yeah, but but what causes that? I wonder if there's like a. I wonder if maybe it's it's the intervention of Doc Brown in his life uh, from a young age grows him up to be a little more bold. 
yeah, he wants to be just like Doc Brown, who is notoriously very cool. Yeah, I think he's cool. Uh, he, yeah, I mean, he's not... The thing is, he's not cool in the same way. He made he, a rocket a cool car character. in 1931. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Um... So you, you find out that's why you're fading out of existence. And then a cop comes and he wants to shoot <laughs> uh, Doc Brown because he thinks he's the arsonist that burned down the speakeasy. Yeah, this part of the game is very much Walking Dead, where you have to like move around the car and not be seen by this police officer. You, this is you you do like a ton of this in walking dead this is my least favorite part of walking dead <laughs> this is really dumb and boring i don't like it, it. it it's 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 better in walking dead than it is here here it feels like there's no concept i don't even know if you can get caught by the cop i never did i don't think you can i think if you linger in a place where the cop is going marty automatically moves to a different part of the car yeah, that sucks. In in Walking Dead, it's more like actual consequences. Like you have to actually keep moving or like stay hidden. In oh, okay, that's places. yeah, that's I, better. Yeah, I'm I'm just saying I can see where that sort of design first started popping up. It it, it had similar vibes, even if it's not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, uh, Doc drops his keys to the DeLorean so Marty can pick him up and drive off while Doc, you know stalls for time or something and (laughs) marty goes uh to a bold time period six hours earlier that same day Ooh, i guess we are mixing things up which just leads back to where we were in episode one and uh you run into yourself and young emmett brown again uh they're just talking about some i think they're talking about the rocket drill Mm-hmm. And you're trying to find Arthur McFly because he's about to be murdered. So you you need that's a good reason to want to save him. You need to to sneak past uh your your six hour past self. And you know I I had a question about this. Yes. So past Marty when you when you encounter Marty from your past, mm-hmm. um, but. It's not the same past because, like, you trick Einstein go- to go into a different place in order to distract Marty so you can walk past him. Um, yeah. When you do that, Marty does different stuff than he did the first time, which makes sense. Like, we've seen that in Back to the Future before. That's how Back to the Future rules work. Does that Marty have a soul? <laughs> no is the answer okay i didn't think so (laughs) (laughs) does his body own a pilot uh because i you're thinking about like okay well this marty is clearly doing new things but it's not the thing marty did and it will be erased from existence in just a, a second because that's not how it went yeah, it's we un, unless it just overwrites it. Now it's like okay, well now that is how it went. Yeah, if I was a strong believer in the idea of a soul, I'd have questions. Um, <laughs> being only uh, a, a a visitor in the realm of spirituality, I I only have 
pseudo questions and pose them to you <laughs> to see if you can get anything out of them. But I'm happy moving on. Well, I'm so glad. That's quite a question, and it I I I don't know if I can handle such a such a heavy question. Heavy. Uh, you find Arthur McFly, and he immediately gets kidnapped and brought into the speakeasy where you solve a puzzle just to like knock out all of the mob guards to get Arthur out of there. Um, this my game glitched at this. Oh, part. what happened? And I was almost royally screwed. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry. You, you know the part where you press the panic button and then you pass, pass it again, press it again. And it makes the uh, bottle of alcohol fall off the shelf that you use to beat over uh, the guy's head. Okay. So, my first time doing this, you know, I was kind of figuring it out, but I was thinking about it. I wasn't, I was doing it kind of slow. So, um, I had the alcohol bottle and I was like, oh, okay, I break it over his head and it'll knock him out. Got it. But I didn't do it in time. And so he pressed the, he, found the panic button, flicked it again, and put it back to normal. But then another bottle of alcohol fell on the floor. And I guess you're not supposed to have another bottle of alcohol on the floor, because as soon as that happened, Marty would not do or interact with anything. Oh, no. What did you do? I reset. (laughs) The whole game? No, I I had saved, like, a little bit beforehand, luckily. That's but, that's some um, good CSI training. Yeah, I I've learned my lesson. But boy, I was so I was so confused cuz like obviously there's no reason for it to not let you still do the thing you wanted to do, but anytime I clicked on anything after that except for like one or two things, like it would allow me to click on the bottle of ink on the table. Mhm. But anything else, Marty would just say, I don't know what, how that what's that supposed to do. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Um, like, even it wouldn't even let me, like, press the panic button again to hit him with the alcohol bottle. Anytime I tried, he just said, eh, no. Yeah, and something that later ta- uh, Telltale Games was criticized for a lot was not fully bug testing all of the episodes. Um, mm-hmm. as as they would come out because they were on such a tight crunch to release all the series. So I think this might be something that we're going to start to see more of, unfortunately, as time goes on. Yeah. And we'll have to use our old friend the save button more often. Luck- Luckily, I don't remember hitting any bugs anytime I played Walking Dead, but, you know, you never know what such a freak accident could occur. You never know. Um, so you rescue Arthur McFly and you tell him, keep an eye out for Sylvia, because Sylvia is the name of Marty McFly's grandma, and also don't, don't like be around. You you gotta be here, (laughs) but like be, just be chill and don't talk to anyone for the rest of your life. And Arthur (laughs) McFly does not take this to be the like social death sentence it absolutely is so uh he said yeah sure i'll do i'll do that for sure uh i'd love to not talk to anyone (laughs) i was planning on doing that anyway now biff (laughs) 
Uh, and then, so with that theoretically all tied up, now you go back to 1986, where it seems like everything's fine, but it isn't. And uh, you you go to your house, you find out that your dad's in a wheelchair and that you've been driven out of town in this universe. And Biff shows up and it's Biff and also two uh, very identical looking siblings who are named like <laughs> Cliff and, and Fliff and Tiff and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I did not get their names. I think one was Cliff. Yeah, one was Cliff, and now I can't for the life of me remember the other one. Okay, Ziff, Yif. It's not Yif. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was probably Yif. It's probably Yif. <laughs> the otaku of the family. Um, Perfect. <laughs> uh, so, the, uh, the, the Tannen crime family never went away. That's... You messed up the future somehow when you did that uh, meddling around in 1931. Yeah, Kid Tannen was never sent to the slammer. Kid Tannen, for some reason, never got arrested and became the Tannens became the fifth most powerful crime family in California, according to themselves. Um, <laughs> not to be confused with I the like Valentes, like the third most powerful or dangerous it's the most dangerous crime family in california Ooh, i I like how modest they are they say that according to them Mm -hmm. they are the fifth most powerful they don't shoot for number one they say no we can we can sit comfortably at fifth yeah because if they said they're the most powerful i'd be like do you know how big california is probably not yeah yeah and look at biff like these guys can mess you up but they wouldn't mess you up like as bad as other people. Yeah, they brought a baseball bat to a moving out of the way fight. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, they they were outclassed by Marty's ability to sort of not get hit when he wants to. His ability to stand in front of a bug zapper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so you get uh, you get out of the way there, and then Doc picks you up, and and you go back in the time to. Uh, the the day when uh, Kid Tannen should have been arrested and wasn't. Now Arthur McFly is still alive, so that's good. But good job. Yeah, so you're not going to fade out of existence anymore. But it turns out stuff's not cool because uh, there there's two aspects here that needed to be fixed in order for uh, Kid Tannen to be arrested. One is that Kid Tannen's girlfriend, Trixie Trotter, which is a wonderful name. Uh, yeah. She's like a like a singer, like a like a speakeasy singer, like a like you know, like a singer. She's one of those singing types. Yeah. Uh she she's supposed to hork up some dirt on Kid Tannen's financials <laughs> that will eventually get him arrested. What a sentence you just said. She's meant to hork up some dirt. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and the person that arrests him is supposed to be Officer Parker, who is your girlfriend Jennifer's grandpa. Jennifer has not been seen in this game. I don't even know if she's in it. Uh, but yeah, she hasn't been seen so far. Yeah, it it's interesting. Didn't they 
recast her for Back to the Future 2? Yeah, Jennifer in 2 and 3 is a different Jennifer than in Jennifer 1 or in Back to the Future 1. Uh All right, all right. So I don't I don't even know which of the two Jennifers it would be if Jennifer was to appear in this game. Yeah, which one's canon? Probably the later one. I would assume that Same. they want to make whatever happened later consistency. Yeah. Um I'll tell you though, you can watch that trilogy and constantly forget she exists. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like I I just rewatched the first one uh and boy, when he comes back to the future, back to the mm-hmm. 80s and sees her again, I'm like, "Oh yeah, she existed." <laughs> yeah. Well, the the thing is like she's probably a really really big and constant part of Marty's life. But all of these adventures take place when he's off doing his own thing. So you just don't see her as part of it. Exactly. She, she's just not a part of time shenanigans. Yeah, she's just not a big time shenanigan participant. Yeah, she's she's more of a now person. Yeah. She's more of an actual time. She's living in the moment. <laughs> not in past moments. So, uh, you go back to 1931, and you end up two months later, uh, which is the day Katana gets arrested. So, Trixie doesn't give up the information on Katana. That's a problem. The other one is that the officer, uh, Parker, who's supposed to arrest Kid Tannen, does not do this because he became just the drunkest guy in the world because it turns out that he was the police officer that you sort of did all those shenanigans around at the beginning of the episode and right driving two time traveling cars in front of him and just sneaking around the car circular wise it upset him too much and then he his mind broke (laughs) (laughs) he could not be going around cars to be fair I think I also would not handle that well. Yeah, I I would not like going around a car multiple times. It's not. Oh well, no, it's just it's not that part. It's the DeLoreans <laughs> part where two time traveling things happen right in front of him. Uh, that's a bummer. oh, I can see how that might mess up someone too. Yeah, it'll 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 get you. Yeah, two cars. He says they come. They look like they came straight out of Buck Rogers. Uh, so this, I think this fourth act, the two months later in 1931, this is probably the, the meat and potatoes of the episode. Yeah. You get to hang out in the speakeasy while it's operating as a speakeasy. Um, you get to hang out at the town square at nighttime, which, uh, well, that part's not special. I guess the speakeasy is more of the special thing. Uh, you watch Trixie Trotter sing a couple songs. You, uh, you, you can have a, a, a great uh, moment where if you just go in the alcove. Did you do this? Uh, when you go in the alcove of the speakeasy, you can just walk um, by and the guy there says, are you hitting on my woman? And you can be like, what? No. I <laughs> Yes, I, I did do this. And uh, he tries to punch you and he misses your face again because he brought a fist to a getting out of the way <laughs> fight. And yeah. you 
he gets thrown out of the bar and then his girlfriend immediately is like yeah no water under the bridge i'm not mad about that do you want to hang out though uh (laughs) i love that (laughs) yeah she she really did not care about this guy especially because it doesn't come up again in the episode it doesn't it doesn't tie into anything. It's just a it's just a fun little thing. It seems completely optional too, so I don't think it can tie into future things cuz <laughs> you might not have done it in this episode. Maybe it ties into it if you did it. Cuz oh, I like a lot of memory? A, Yeah, like a lot of this series feels very early Walking Dead. It there are things that people remember about the choices you make, like the fake name you pick. No, but I picked a different fake name, and then it just called me Michael Corleone all the time. That's not what they called me. Wait, what are they calling you? They call me, uh, what is it? Something Callahan. Wait, really? Yeah. But I didn't pick Michael Corleone. And they're just, they keep calling me Corleone. <laughs> 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 I don't know what to tell you, Mitch. You take it up with them. Oh, you gotta, you gotta let <laughs> yeah, these things go. The, I guess. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, yeah, the thing—it's a fake name anyway. What does it matter what they call you? Yeah, I, I, I thought I picked, <laughs> but they call me the name I picked. May, is it gaslighting me into making me think I picked Corleone? Because I'm pretty sure I didn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They're like, nah, you did, you did. Okay, so I guess the the episodes do communicate with each other, at least for you. Um, <laughs> they they don't for me, but <laughs> or, or they do for me because the first episode also called me Michael Corleone. I don't think I picked it. Yeah, it's well? gaslighting me. I <laughs> I'm I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure I didn't pick it, but who knows? Man, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This game has it out for you, Mitch. It seems to, yeah. Um, so you go through, uh, some, some pretty standardish adventure game puzzles of getting Trixie and, uh, Officer Parker more in the mood to do the things they gotta do. Uh, one of, one item of which involves putting Arthur McFly in the right place to talk to Trixie. Uh, because Trixie needs to talk to Arthur in order to, you know, make some stuff happen. She won't tell you, but she will tell Arthur. He's he's sure he's sure on the up and up. Yeah, she really likes Arthur to the point where uh, I don't I don't know what happens later in the story, so I I don't feel bad spoiling something by guessing the resolution of something. Uh, so I'll I'll say this: I'm pretty sure she is Sylvia, like that's her real name or something. Yeah, I mean that's what was implied. I. I think I thought they said that like earlier in the episode. They did not say her name was Sylvia. No, in fact, the episode ends. Oh, I with uh, I got it. Well, well, yeah, it's it seems like it, but <laughs> the episode ends with Marty and Doc flying away, and uh, Marty says, "Is it okay that my grandpa's with Trixie, even though uh, my that's not my grandma?" And then Doc says, "Well, it's it's fine. Let him sow his oats." Let him sow his seed. Uh, it's it's well, get with your grandma later. Your dad's not born for seven years. Um, what a good, what a good um, Doc Brown impression that was. No, I threw it. I didn't try, Dustin. I'm 
don't don't judge me on this one okay 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 don't worry <laughs> i didn't try i can't try a perfect doc brown every time come on <laughs> come on come me a break now biff uh now biff i you did your doc brown impression but yeah so they're talking about it I, I, during the end scene of the episode uh like this is not sylvia huh i could have sworn they like flat out said or implied it earlier in the episode i mean i mean i think it is implied but um marty does not think trixie is his grandma yeah at this point i get you i get you uh yeah and I, I'm, I'm sure that will be the reveal but maybe not because uh we, we've got a fun end stinger of the episode let's get to it though after uh, Parker decides to arrest Kid Tannen, Kid sort of uh, hides out in a nearby building, taking Edna, the the journalist lady from, we talked about her last episode a lot, um, takes her hostage, and in in a, a interesting shootout puzzle minigame sort of thing, you light the building he's in on fire. And he, he, <laughs> that seems like overkill, but I guess what choice did you have when he's shooting at you? Yeah, it, it for real. Uh, and then he he goes to the roof of a different building and takes young Emmett Brown hostage, and then you throw Kid Tannen in a remote controlled rocket car that Emmett built, and then a uh, old Doc Brown uses the controls to fly the car. Uh, around and into the ground and, and basically not kid out so he can be arrested how did you feel about this big climactic scene this was the big ending of this episode um i think it's mostly because we've done a billion of these this year i've played <laughs> so many adventure games this year it, it, yeah listener it really doesn't matter who you are i've played more than you yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Chief. Even before this podcast started, I played at least 10 LucasArts point-and-click adventure games this year. Wow. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot that happened. Um, so, these, like, boss battle sequences are really just, they don't do it for me anymore. <laughs> you've had your fill and you're ready to move on yeah and i can't tell if it's an unfair judgment of just these sequences as a whole because i've seen so many of them or if it if it really does feel like a deteriorating cleverness because like the thing you would try was tried to death in the 90s already so now they're like well how do we make it not like that scene in Monkey Island where you're uh, hanging over that cauldron. Or how do yeah. we make it not like the Brady culture fight in Culture Shock in Salmon Max 101? <laughs> like, how do we make it uh, not that, like that? That pinnacle of design. Yeah. That How, how do we not make it like that amazing <laughs> classic scene with Brady culture? Where you convince Brady culture to tell his own uh, underlings to attack him. <laughs> yeah it's it's do you think it might just i don't part of me thinks it might be because 
before CSI, we had just done Sam and Max season three, which had, I think, had some great end of episode climaxes because they're able to mix it up a little more with like Max's psychic powers and such. Um, plus, maybe I just cared about them a little more than I do Back to the Future. I like Back to the Future, but I'm not as into it as I am like getting Sam and Max out of this uh, crazy caper. But yeah, yeah, like I said, season three of Sam and Max had like the Max psychic power. Remember the big Charlie Hotep finale in oh, episode yeah. four where you like you use the rhinoplasty? Well, that's, yeah, that's into, one like, of the, the best ones toys? of all time. The- yeah, that's great. And then these two for these last couple episodes have just been pretty standard and easy. Yeah, so much of adventure game, like what makes a good or bad adventure game is is very different than almost every other genre of video game because it depends not very much, honestly, on mechanics. It It's so much just about scenario and writing and set pieces and characters. And mm-hmm. because it, the goal of an adventure game is to emulate a world. And... Right. This shootout with with uh, Kid Tannen here, I'll say I liked it more than the truck one from the last episode. Agreed. Where you're just mm-hmm. getting Doc out of the truck. Um, yeah, this at least felt like a climax with like a quote unquote boss. Yeah, you're going up against. Right. That that also ties into feeling like the episode just feels like two parts split in half because that just feels more like a a just like an exciting scene rather than a big climax to a story yeah um are are you experiencing the same sort of ending fatigue i am or is that just me um it it didn't bother me but i do kind of, it, it's just very uh you, it's it's not like they were ever trying to hide what these were yeah but it it just feels a lot more overt i guess like you get there and you're like okay well here i am at the end this is the big final puzzle part that we've done a million times. I was actually sort um, of surprised that w- uh, of uh, of when I got to the end. Because this episode feels quite short. I feel like both of them do. Both feel very short. This one even more so. But it's... I do think I liked it a little more. I liked, I liked all the speakeasy parts. I liked yeah. uh, Trixie Trotter. I like the... Uh, and even even this ending, I don't think it's like necessarily a bad way to end the episode. Um, you know, I was kind of excited the shootout. I was like, "Oh no, I'm being shot at! I better solve this puzzle." <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like I, I knew we were at the ending as soon as Kid Tannen started shooting at me, but before that, when uh, Kid Tannen was hide in hiding. I thought, ooh, how are we going to coax him out of hiding? And then you just find him. It's like, oh, we're here. Uh, and it felt like maybe yeah. there was another act that was cut there of, like, how do you find Kid Tannen once he's in hiding? Uh, I kind of I, I agree with you. It feels like uh, I wonder if because these stories are kind of structured a little bit more like a story, instead of doing the usual telltale four act structure, they're going for a more three act movie structure. Because, yeah, you have the beginning part, and then you have the part with the speakeasy, and then you have the shootout. That's that's it, really. To be clear, 
Uh, I I am very I said to be clear and fair at the same time. So that's to be to be clear. To be clear. Uh, here's right, something Claire. Claire would say. Claire would say that they're <laughs> very much in the mood for shorter episodes after having to do CSI, <laughs> which nearly broke Claire. Um, yeah. So don't worry, Claire. It, it's welcome. The episode length is welcome. It's just surprising. It feels very short, especially compared to CSI or. Honestly, Strong Bad or uh, Sam and Max, if this episode length keeps up, this is the shortest one since, like, Bone. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I'm fine with it just because we've done so many of these so far. And I love playing them, but when you have to do one every week, it gets to be a little... Uh, it, it starts to feel like homework a little bit, even if they're good. Uh, this was under two hours for me. I think it was for me, too. Usually it's a little um, over three. So that's a big yeah. That's a big difference. Something I wrote down in my notes is, um, anytime Einstein shows up, you know what the solution to the puzzle is going to be. <laughs> yeah, you just make him smell a thing, and he'll find the person. Here, smell this, boy. Yeah, it's it's a little eye rolly when you're like, all right, oh, okay, I wonder what I do here. Yeah, you you find Arthur McFly by giving Einstein his pipe, um. You find Kid Tannen by giving Einstein kids um, a flask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it has a smell, you give it to the dog, and then the dog finds the thing. Yeah, even in the last episode, you had already done this, too. So mm-hmm. it, it's a little uh, it's a little deflating. It would be, maybe it would be a better puzzle if the dog was always around, and you doing this is more prompted by thinking about the items you have rather than seeing the presence of the dog. Yeah, exactly. You you just immediately know what you're supposed to do. But if if he was like a uh, a mask a max esque presence where he's just always there, it wouldn't be so immediately obvious just because mask he always be with you. What is what do you mean by that? Max esque. Oh, max, max from Saint yeah, I misspoke. I meant Max S. I was thinking Jim carries the mask, and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> what is this metaphor you're going for? <laughs> oh, I want to see where this goes. And then it turns out it was just it, it was just <laughs> me saying the wrong word. Um, to be fair, saying Max S is oh yeah, a that's one of the difficult. top ten hardest words. <laughs> I've seen that in books. So the stinger here is after you get Kid Tannen arrested, you're uh. Young Emmett Brown and Edna go on a date, which is not how it went down. They go to see Frankenstein in theaters. And, um, let's see. Then Trixie and your grandpa go on a date, which may or may not be fine, depending on the reveal eminent that Trixie probably is your grandma. Uh, which goes along with Marty saying that she was hot because that's something that he's done to his uh mom before in the movies um yeah a a surprising amount of times this has happened marty yeah maybe maybe there's there's a some sort of genetic disposition there or maybe it's just some freudian thing 
Um, yeah, maybe just don't say that about anyone from now on, Marty. Yeah, maybe Marty, you know Jennifer, just, just it's just her. She, <laughs> She's your sister. We looked in the past and we found out that actually you guys are fine. You're not inbred. Just go, f- just only that, <laughs> Marty. <laughs> There's only one safe person. <laughs> Uh, so you're, you're flying away and all of a sudden the DeLorean starts acting funky and you get a cutaway and you watch Emmett Brown not go to the movie Frankenstein and stay outside and, uh, kiss Edna. And then the DeLorean just stops Doc Brown and the DeLorean, the old Doc Brown is, um, gone and you crash into what looks like an alternate present where, uh, Dr. Emmett Brown runs everything. Yeah, he's basically in charge of the entire world. Yeah. Uh, So earlier in this episode, Doc Brown said it was watching Frankenstein that he... (laughs) This is such a tech bro move. I kind of love this. Watching Frankenstein and seeing how the hubris of Dr. Frankenstein created this awful monster he was convinced yeah i should do science experiments that was the point (laughs) of this movie i should be like this guy yeah it (laughs) it was like uh the uh conservative congressperson paul ryan liking uh rise against the machine and then rise against the machine came on twitter and they were like do you know what machine we're talking about <laughs> uh, it, that that that's kind of the vibe of Doc Brown getting way into Frankenstein and then doing thinking like wow that Doctor Frankenstein's a cool guy <laughs> <laughs> he's a good role model it's interesting that in that case not seeing it is what puts him in charge of the world late in this alternate present. Yeah, yeah, so not seeing Frankenstein seems to have, uh, well, he's much more powerful, so in that way, I guess you could say this might be good for him, but it it doesn't seem good for others. Yeah. I wonder if seeing Frankenstein made him kind of keep his own uh, hubris and ego in check, and not seeing it let it go out of control, turning him into this... uh, what I assume is a not very good ruler of the world. Well, so I, I have a hypothesis about why okay. this happened. I don't know yet. I, so I, I hope I'm not, I'm not spoiling anything if I'm right, and I hope I'm not embarrassing if I'm wrong. But, but here's, <laughs> here's my thought. Edna is such a stickler for, like, neo-puritanical morals uh, like, mm-hmm. like you can never drink with her. You can never uh, smoke. You can never even have a dog. You can never d- be rude in any kind of way. Um, she and, and you see her in her old age in, in 1986, where she's basically just yelling at everyone on the street for doing something that she thinks is a hoodlum-like activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Doc Brown's technology... In the hands of Edna, now that they're dating and they didn't, they they weren't dating before. Um, 
maybe he's he's using all of his technology instead of using it to further like mankind's pool of knowledge and do stuff like time travel he's just using it for surveillance and making it a police state uh for edna yeah i could see that I'm actually very interested in seeing this next episode. I, I was a little lukewarm going into this one since it seemed like it was just going to be the same time period. It it feels like this next one's going to get into some uh, crazy stuff. Yeah, it, it really is. The next episode is called Citizen Brown. And I'm, I, I think that it's attempting to be Citizen Kane, but I don't really know what the connection to Citizen Kane is. I don't know why that's... <laughs> Like, the title they're going for. It seems more it's, like 1984. Yeah. It, it's very interesting taking um, a uh, beloved character like Doc Brown and seemingly turning him into a uh, a the villain for the next episode. I, I think that'll make for a, a very interesting twist. Yeah, it's also interesting that it, it seems like the 1931 arc is sort of wrapped up Kid Tannen's now arrested. Um, Arthur's not going to die. Uh, you met young Emmett. And I guess the the Emmett stuff does filter into what we're going to see. But I, I'm having a hard time imagining how that other stuff we see, we've seen so far in 1931 isn't just going to be eschewed and put to the side as the yeah, season goes it, on. Yeah, it's... It's really weird because we were talking about how this one seems a little bit more uh, serialized than other games. But really, I wonder if, like, that's going to be, like, that's another reason why it feels like these are two halves of one episode is because it feels like this part is done. It feels that way. Yeah, it feels like this would, in any other series, just be one episode. And then the next episode would be uh, Citizen Brown. Yeah, um, maybe it's not, though. I don't know. It's it's hard yeah, to say. We'll see. Yeah, I I will say I really like um how this episode paid off the first episode because I I wasn't I was honestly a little disappointed by the first episode. Yeah. Yeah, same. Um and seeing like my favorite part of the first movie and I think part of what makes that first movie just a stone cold classic movie is seeing all of the stuff in 1985 um just all the little details like seeing the poster of of uh the guy who's running for mayor uh mayor goldie and then uh the save the clock tower foundation and the name of the mall even the twin pines mall and just like all of it is done in about 15 minutes before marty goes back in time and it all pays off. Uh, yeah, it, it's such a such a economic storytelling thing. Like like that conversation with Marty's parents. You get the enchantment under the sea dance. You get the fact that uh, Marty's grandpa hit uh, George with the car, and that's how they met. You get just all of it. Just fills in really really quickly. Mm-hmm. And. Um, and now we know who uh, Marty's grandpa is. Oh yeah, but uh, but a different Marty grandpa. Yeah, because the Marty <laughs> grandpa that hit George with the car was uh, Marty's mom's dad, 
and this is Marty's dad. Oh dad. yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um. But like the the first episode of this game, just because it it was it's more compact, an episode that is supposed to last as long as a movie, but of a video game is going to have less story than a movie of the same length. Um, so this episode sort of letting the first episode be that intro to the first movie where it's like planting all these different seeds. And now this is the thing where it pays off, uh, sort of lets it do that back to the future kind of thing, uh, where the first episode on its own couldn't do it. It was just setting up 1931 as an interesting time. Uh, and and I think that's really interesting. I, I think that's a, that's a cool way to do it. It makes this time period feel more important because up till this right. point it kind of felt a little similar to why i didn't gel with back to the future part three as much as one or two which is just the wild west does not seem important to this story yeah uh 2015 and- in the future in episode two did and that's why i think it was the, the it was interesting because of the special effects but also it was just an interesting thing to do Speaking of uh, episode two of Back to the Future, or part two of the movies, I definitely got more vibes from that in this episode, like where you have the two Martys, the one Marty trying not to interact with the other Marty. That That is something I liked about uh, Back to the Future part two, was going back to uh, the 50s when the first movie was happening and having, like, two Martys, two Docs, etc., um, it really reminded me of part two. Yeah, I, I think the whole point of Back to the Future and why there isn't a resolution in the whole series until finally the very end of three, there's like no s- s- uh, solid ending of a movie where everything's just fine. It, the, the point they're trying to make is that time travel is a really bad idea and it can do a powerful thing if you need it to, but you yeah. will inevitably mess something up more than you want to um yeah i mean so of course even in the first movie even in the first movie when uh you know marty's life is a lot better his dad isn't a uh, loser that's still like a massive his whole life is different yeah well it turns out we were talking before i don't know if we were talking on the podcast about crispin glover but we Mm -hmm. uh we were talking about crispin glover and how he doesn't like back to the future because yeah uh, he doesn't like the ending. He thinks that it equates happiness and, and general goodness with how much money you have. And he didn't like mm. that, like, oh, this is just how we're ending the movie. Like, it's better because you had more money. Um, I can see that. It it never bothered me, but I can see why someone wouldn't like that ending. Well, that's that's why he didn't want to work with the movies anymore, and he's not in yeah. episode, uh, or part two. Mm-mm. Except that he... the the movie studio made it look like he is in part two but it's a different actor with makeup to look like him and uh that's why he sued them and he won wow and him winning uh makes a lot of people more skittish to do what disney did with tarkin in the movie uh rogue one where they just what did they do they i haven't seen rogue one they computered him he tarkin's actor has been dead for oh. a long time um right but right, right. they computered the actor into the movie uh just as he is or as he was in the 70s 
and mm. made it look exactly like him. I mean, now the movie is about five years old, so the seams are starting to become more visible, and we're used to better CGI. But for the time when Rogue One came out, that was it. Really, did look exactly like him, um, except like his head's too big. <laughs> I, I noticed that <laughs> even at the time, it's just like, oh, they computed him like at a different scale as everyone else. Yeah, it's like the size of a car, if I remember. <laughs> Yeah, so you did see the movie. <laughs> it's weird that no one else brought that up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so with, with that, with the time travely, um, time not shenanigans going on, I like that stuff a lot. I think that's cool. Yeah. There's a lot of like rogue notes I have here. Do you want to just get into some like rapid fire lightning round session? Yeah, I got I got some notes as well, so we can just go through. Yeah, them. we'll take turns one at a time. I'll, I'll start. Yeah. Here's the first one. We find out the <laughs> Marty can ask Doc why the tannins are shitty. Uh, like just <laughs> all of the tannins. Why are they all so shitty? And Doc will say, "I don't know. Maybe they have rogue Neanderthal genes." <laughs> Which is like a yeah, weirdly. I don't know if it's racist. <laughs> I don't think so. It, I mean, Neander. I mean, it literally is because it's like a, a <laughs> different race. But, um, yeah, that's like a weird call, Doc. That's that's your assumption. <laughs> uh, rogue Neanderthal genes. That's just why the tannins are the worst. Yeah, I, I the phrase "rogue Neanderthal genes" is what really. It, it, what a weird thing to say. Yeah. Yeah, Doc, Doc's like, okay, look, I'm a scientist, but I'm going to put that all in a box and say some dumb shit for a second. Maybe it's rogue <laughs> Neanderthal genes. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, that... Marty says, yeah, probably. That's something I thought was interesting. Okay, uh, your turn. What, what you got? What's the, what's the um, note? So I brought up some of these notes already in passing, but um, Trixie Trotter is a good name, is the one I put down. Yeah. Uh, I like names that start with the same letters. Okay. <laughs> that, that's the kind of thinking I'm putting into this episode. What would you change your last name to be to start with a D? Um, Other than Daxon. Dustin Dunkelson. Dunkelson, okay. That's not a great one, but it's the first one that came to mind. It, it, does, it does sound like it's the first one that came to mind a little bit. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Mitchell Marley. Mitchell Marley? All right. Oh, I like that one's good. Mitchell Marley? You kidding me? You, <laughs> you kidding me right now? <laughs> you kidding me? With the, you just came up with that name? Uh, <laughs> That's a name you put thought into beforehand. <laughs> no, I didn't. Well, my middle name, <laughs> it, it, my real middle name is Farley. So I think maybe there's a little bit of that sticking around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I like how you had to explain it. Well, the the listener may not know my middle name. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I I get that. I'm glad I'm glad the audience knows, but it's just funny to say. Well, it's because my middle name is Marley, so you know, <laughs> I just kind of changed it up a little bit. Yeah, I just did what the kids call a little uh, word switch 'em ups. Uh, That's a little thought for you. Where was the DeLorean during all this? It turns out that Doc hid the DeLorean in the DeSoto parking lot. Uh, yeah, we know all about DeSotos. Yeah. 
in addition to being sort of a similarly depreciated car brand, it is what Sam and Max drive. Yeah, I like that. That made me smile. I was like, I pointed at the screen and said, I know what that is. I know is. you did, Telltale. Um, <laughs> speaking of another... You referenced other game. Another possible other Telltale game reference. I'm not sure. Uh, if you ask Zane, or Zade, is it Zade? I think it's Zane. Zane. Uh, the, the cartoonist drawing cartoons of everyone Kid Tannen's killed... Uh, you ask him, "What are you? Who are you drawing right now?" And he'll say, "Boris Karloff," which <laughs> seems like a reference to Boris from uh, Telltale Texas Hold'em, a little bit. What? Wait, wait, wait! Boris Karloff. Yeah. Boris Karloff is the guy who played uh, Frankenstein, isn't it? Wait, what? Boris Karloff is the guy who played Frankenstein. Oh, then I it wasn't the reference to the thing I thought it was, but it was a reference. Yeah. So Kid Tannen killed the actor who played Frankenstein? <laughs> I, that doesn't make sense, Frankenstein. <laughs> Why did he do that? <laughs> What's, that? That doesn't make sense. He was in other movies afterwards. <laughs> huh. Why would they put that in? Maybe they were just planning on it and didn't get around. Maybe that was going to be their next kill after, but then Kid Tannen got put away. Wait, the actor who... So, wait, the actor in the original 1930s Frankenstein is named Boris Karlov? Yes. He played the monster? Yes. Okay. Wait, are you saying Boris Karlov or Karloff? What's the right one? (laughs) (laughs) K-A-R-L-O-F-F. Right, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, Boris Karloff is Mr. Frankenstein himself. Okay. I'm glad you're. I'm glad. I'm glad you you knew that because I I would have said some. Well, I did say some dumb stuff, but we caught it. I know a thing or two sometimes. Yeah. Any other uh, notes you got? Um. Yes. Um. Him getting in the it. crate, giving me CSI flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as as soon as you had to get in that crate, I was like, oh no, no, not again. Yeah, I wonder if they just had the guy curled up in a crate uh pose that they could slap on a skeleton <laughs> and <laughs> they could just cr- they could just crumple Marty up and stuff him in there. And it's like, oh, I know how crates are. I know how guys in crates are. This is about how they are. <laughs> I got some guy in crate experience. Uh, well, speaking of CSI flashbacks, when you're looking around for uh, Arthur McFly at a certain point after Kid Tannen scares him off, Arthur had a nosebleed and dropped some blood on the ground, and it made it look like Arthur was dead, but um, it's just a nosebleed. And the way the splatter was on the ground, was that gave me uh, CSI I think you vibes. mean spatter. Oh, I thought about it. I might mean spatter, but I'm pretty sure I don't because it's like large globules. And didn't we find out that's yeah. the difference? Spatter is small. Yeah, spatter is like a spray. Uh, but I'm just so used to it now. But I, I saw the blood on the ground and even for like a couple seconds, I was fully convinced <laughs> I would need to collect a sample. Your heart jumped up into your throat. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, this is, I'm going to oh, get it no. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have time to go through 16 different tools. Yeah, I need to use the, my tweezers on my swab and use the tweezers to swab. And like, 
This is going to be terrible. Uh, thanks, Back to the Future. Um, um, I have some more. Yeah, go for um, it. All of Trixie's songs are fun. It, I, yeah, I like that I totally they agree. put in the effort to have her sing all these different songs. Uh, but I wish they had Doing the Wiggly. I, I do wish they had Doing the Wiggly. Um, <laughs> the way, even the way that you thumb through the sheet music to pick a different song. Exactly. Is reminiscent yeah, that's all I could of, think of the baddest of the bands uh, thumbing through the <laughs> albums to pick a different song for Bubs. Yeah, that that brought a little smile to my face. I was like, ah, that remind me of other game. Yeah, it Telltale really likes their um, their thumbing. Well, it, <laughs> it, do you think at this point before Walking Dead? They're anxious to innovate because they're realizing, wow, we've done so many of these and we keep having to do like the same kinds of stuff. I could see that by this point, they had done so many even because like we were saying how the devil's playhouse was so like it had so many new uh things to do different ways to interact with puzzles with like the psychic powers and stuff and then you go back to back in back to the future where it really feels kind of like a step back from that it just kind of feels like your typical adventure game stuff so far and i i'm having fun with it still but yeah it it just feels so like normal just like plain adventure gamey type puzzles yeah so like i it you can feel some ideas from walking dead fitting in there but as far as the puzzles are concerned it does feel like a step back i was having a conversation with a a video game design friend of mine who was making the argument that uh the playstation 4 spider-man game does Mm -hmm. a lot of really interesting stuff and is very good but it probably could have innovated the open world video game genre even further but shouldn't have done it because if you're a fan of Spider-Man, you not you might not necessarily be a fan of video games. So to push that too far and do too many new things might just be bad for the audience because it's a licensed game. And I think maybe we might be seeing the same sort of thing here where you could push this further and make this a really interesting um, adventure game like we saw through the devil's playhouse um mm-hmm. or we i think we will see whenever we cover uh monkey island i remember monkey island doing some pretty cool stuff but this needs to be back to the future four so maybe yeah. that's why you don't do that i get that i i i kind of agree i get i can definitely see that it's kind of like um I think I've made this analogy before a long time ago for something, but it's kind of like how uh, with Legend of Zelda on the Nintendo 64, um, you have Ocarina of Time and you have Majora's Mask. Majora's Mask is the one people remember for being really weird and really shaking things up and doing different things, but but you kind of had to get Ocarina of Time out there first, just get kind of a more standard... uh, zelda out there i wonder if they were if they ever were to do like 
a season two of Back to the Future, they would push it farther since they're like, okay, we got the standard one out first. We've hooked people. Now we can start to innovate with it. Well, it definitely seems like that's what they did with Sam and Max. Yeah, exactly. Seasons one and two, as much as I like them, they are just your typical adventure game games. And then season three comes along and they're like, all right, well, now we can just go wild with it. Mm -hmm. And even Sam and Max, because Sam and Max are... I mean, like, yes, it's an adaptation of of a thing that has a cartoon and a comic and other stuff. I think most people still know it as an adventure game. So it's more comfortable being an adventure game and like pushing those boundaries and then you see strong bad which i think similar to this doesn't push that aspect of it incredibly far yeah like it did some cool different things like we talk about how strong baddie of the free uh was pretty interesting especially compared to where we were at in our telltale games Mm -hmm. but um yeah overall you you just want a, a strong bad experience rather than a crazy different approach to adventure games. You just want adventure game, but it's strong bad. Yeah. So I could definitely see that for Back to the Future as well. You don't you you want to keep it. Um. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Undisciplined Not ex- techno anarchist. There we go. That's pretty much what I was thinking. <laughs> That's what Edna calls Emmett. And uh, she means it as an insult rather than the coolest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, she needs to work on that. <laughs> yeah. You can't just be calling people <laughs> undisciplined techno-anarchists and expect them to not be into that. <laughs> I like the sound of that. Uh, what was that voice? I don't know. <laughs> That that sure came out of me though. Yeah, you really did it. I it channeled some sort of like blue collar <laughs> comedy catchphrase. I like based, the sound of that one. Yeah, like a catchphrase based comedy thing. <laughs> Get her done, uh, tear. Oh come on, be nice. <laughs> what did I do to you? Yeah, there's your sign. You know that sort of deal. <laughs> oh my god, he he, he was apparently. Uh, performing here in idaho recently i saw a sign advertising him and i was like bill engvall who is he again and then it hit me like a ton of bricks you saw a sign yeah and it opened up my eyes but um yeah there was just a sign like while i was driving i saw like a billboard saying he was coming to uh boise and i was like i haven't heard that name in a million years and then I remembered, here's your sign. Man, I... And it was like, what is? what sort of joke is that? Imagine seeing that like... sign and being really psyched for Billing Vol. <laughs> yes! Um, I can't wait. Is that rude? Maybe he's great. I don't know anything about Billing Vol. Uh, he had a TV show. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> How bad could he be? <laughs> uh, let's head into our segments. Yes, let's head into our segments. Before you bring up our segments, Mitch, okay. For this one time, I don't know if it'll I don't know if it'll need to come up again. I actually do have a couple of linguistic gymnastics this oh, week. Oh, okay. Um <laughs> so the first one 
is uh, when Doc says, uh, you may be easy to, to disguise with your nondescript features. I wrote that down too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Marty's just like, nondescript. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, dark Doc, geez. Yeah. I Cut him some slack. I Is this is this really making fun of uh, Michael J. Fox? Like, does he really have especially nondescript features? Or is it just... When you're interpreting Michael J. Fox into a Telltale game, you need to give him sort of like a caricature look, and he doesn't have it much that can be caricaturized. Like I would say the latter. I I just I just took it as a joke at him making fun of Marty. Yeah, I never I never <laughs> even I never really thought about it and uh, connecting it to Michael J. Fox. I guess, I guess it is, but uh, yeah, I was just like, ha, got him. He's a dumb teenager. <laughs> with nondescript facial features uh okay <laughs> yeah it just just like something funny you say in passing and then but it's like an insult you don't really think of being an insult and he's like oh okay what else you got and then my other one <laughs> this one made me laugh uh it's when you have to distract trixie to replace your lyrics uh <laughs> And the, Marty pulls this a lot, but this time really got me. He says, hey, Trixie, look over there. And she looks, but instead of, instead of like, getting it, instead of knowing, like, oh, I, I should be looking at something, she just says, why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh, th- those two lines made me laugh. And, and again, overall, we are going for, like, more movie-based story progressing dialogue so not a lot of it made me laugh but those two got got it out of me but it it i I hate to sound like i'm ragging on the writing of the game it's totally it works it's just there's not a whole lot of lines that are meant to be like big Mm -hmm. hilarious showstoppers um something i enjoy but that's how we've embarrassed kid tannen at this point just so thoroughly um by the end of episode two we've put kid tannin through so much that like he's a bad person so i guess he deserves it but those murders he did that uh, based on the caricatures on the wall we don't see those so i honestly feel a little bad just because the the kid tannin we've been sold so far is just someone for marty to put in cow poop and that's it yeah that's his purpose mm-hmm. um <laughs> Every Tannen's purpose in life. But let's head into our segments. Potent pickup. What's your potent pickup? So this is a weird one. Nothing really in this episode stood out to me. But one thing I did like is the caricature of yourself that you can get that doesn't get used for anything. I love that one. (laughs) Yeah, it's not used in any puzzles. It's just an optional little thing you get. And I like it because whoever, whatever artist was behind these did a good job. I like all these drawings. Yeah, it's it's really good. I, I enjoy that. Uh, mine is also the caricatures. I just said caricatures, but yeah, I guess I do prefer the one of yourself to the one you do of uh, your dad. <laughs> yeah, that one's good too. Um, while we're on the subject of inventory items, one other note I had that I forgot to bring up is, uh, so, you know, the photo of your dad, Mm -hmm. the illustration of it in your items menu is completely different from how it looks in the actual game. Like it's a totally different picture of it. Like when he pulls it out to get to the Zane. 
Yeah, yeah. Whenever he shows him the picture, it's not the same picture. Oh. It's like the it's like the character model in a picture, and then the and he's just kind of looking at the camera. He's not like really doing anything. And then in the illustration, isn't he like he's like sitting at a desk with like uh, his his arms on the desk or something, no. smiling? What do you mean? It's just his face. In the illustration. Yeah. Oh, I thought <laughs> I I thought it. Well, no, it still looks totally different than the one actually in the game. Well, maybe but, this uh, is a difference in versions that we're playing. Maybe. Um. It. Oh, that's totally possible. Because the 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 picture that I have is just his face, like from the from like the collarbone up. Oh my god, I think we do have different pictures. I'll get a picture of how mine looks after this. Okay, yeah, great. I, I want to see that because that is uh, that is not reminiscent of my experience. Mm. What a what a fun I'm fact. glad I brought it up. Yeah. If we didn't talk about it, there's a chance no one would have ever talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. It's almost like we're in different parallel timelines. Mm-hmm. Um... What's your golden moment, Dustin? My golden moment is the part at the speakeasy with, like, Trixie's songs. I just thought, like, that was all great. Uh, the fact that they made so many songs for... I don't know if these are original songs or... Like, one of them is not an original song. The, uh... Oh, uh, what is it? The... Um... The happy I don't, song. The, the... Uh, is... The, I don't care the, an original song? It might be. I've never heard it. I've never heard any of these songs except for the one, the happy song choice. Um, A lot of them so seem like other songs, songs then... and and sort of aren't. Um, yeah, like they, they make a diversion into a weird, different thing halfway through. Um, I like mm-hmm. that a lot. Yeah, I I just thought. Everything here was nice. The caricatures, uh, the the guy who thinks you're you're looking at his girl in the in the corner. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was fun. I and, and it was a nice uh, new setting. Probably the only one. Well, no, we have the alley too, but it's the only one that's like really that interesting. I like how, uh, <laughs> in the context of of these songs, Trixie is like. 85% a good singer but they <laughs> like she is a good singer but they throw in some stuff every now and then that's just like oh that was a choice for you to sing like that uh yeah and I, I like that a lot because yeah her voice actor is uh someone we've heard multiple times in this uh podcast so far. who is it um it's the it's Melich- Melissa Hutchison who voiced Girl Stinky. Oh. Uh, she will be voicing Clementine when we get to her. And what's her name from Puzzle Agent? The the wife? Oh, Glory? The dead husband? Glory, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, she's all over the place. Interesting huh? that she keeps popping up. And now she gets to sing as Trixie Trotter. A dream. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someday we can all reach those heights. <laughs> we will all sing as Trixie Trotter. Uh, my golden moment is also in the speakeasy, but I'm going a little more specific. It's the it's the optional uh, hitting on Eunice thing. I just like that Marty McFly does that. <laughs> yeah, it's just there to add a little flavor. It doesn't tie into the story at all, but it's fun. Yeah, and, and Eunice 
<laughs> I think her exact words when he says, oh, I'm sorry I got your boyfriend kicked out. Eunice's uh, exact words says, it's water under the bridge. Why don't you come here and keep his seat warm? Eunice, you've gotten over him so fast. <laughs> what a turn. <laughs> He's also a teenager, but that can be forgiven because he has the mustache. Right. So if you have a mustache in a speakeasy for... in the 30s, you're basically in your 30s. Yeah. It's time exactly. to drink. <laughs> uh, that's a good choice. I, I like that our golden moments were similar but different. Uh, Dustin, who's your weekly guy? It's got to be Trixie Trotter, right? There's no one There's no one else really new in this episode. But, you know, her voice actress does a great performance as her. She has a very striking design, too, compared to everyone else with the dress and the colors and the hair. Um... And, you know, she does a good job singing. So I, I think she steals this episode pretty easily. I think I agree with you. Although um, I did have two close runners up. Ooh, do tell. One was Parker, the the police guy. Um, just seeing <laughs> how far into his own drunken hole you made him by driving the DeLoreans past him. And, and traveling through yes. time in front of him and just leaving him there to think about what happened. Uh, you really messed him you up. You messed him up so bad, and I think that's really funny. Um, and the other one is Eunice. <laughs> I just think... I couldn't I couldn't honestly put her as my weekly guy, but she's close. <laughs> uh, just with her <laughs> one line. Uh, she, she had one line she knocked it out she, of the park yeah she knocked it straight out of the park it was completely optional you don't even need to talk to Eunice but it, it it's great um, but yeah I, I agree Trixie's pretty good um, Trixie's a good character do you have an unweekly guy um unweekly guy uh I feel like I do I'm getting, uh, I'm, I'm I'm getting mad and madder at Edna these days. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think she was actually that bad this episode. Um, yeah, I thought she was fine. Yeah, but I I just I'm just frustrated with her whole thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> pe- people like this are not my favorite. Um, and she sure didn't bring the best out of. Uh... Emmett Brown, I guess we'll see. Yeah, well, she brought a very strong flavor of Doc Brown into the future, and I'm not a fan of that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I, I guess that's a good reason. I'll tentatively say her. Okay, okay, okay. Do you have one? Um. Also, she doesn't like I Einstein. Didn't... Einstein's great. That's true. She's wrong. <laughs> Yeah, she's How do you wrong not like that. a dog? Yeah, shut up, Edna. That's going to be the new catchphrase of the podcast. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll workshop it off camera. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see if there's any notes that the producers have. Um, but yeah, but do you, you don't have a weekly <laughs> We're kind of feeling it out. I don't think so. I guess just the nondescript gangster mafia guys in uh, Kid Tannen's crew who didn't really bring that much to the episode. They're, they're just kind of as generic of mooks you can get. 
Yeah, I do like Cuba. I, I like I like that one that does the drawings. Okay, so Q-ball, that's Zane. I like Cuba because he does the the yeah. piano. That's true. Um, and also Cuba in the last episode had a lot of good conversation points about soup. Yeah, he's a he's a soup guy. He's a piano guy. He's got a lot going on in his life. He's definitely the cultured member of Kid Tannen's gang. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, um, I guess I don't have an an unweekly guy then, because you you reminded me that these other two are pretty good. Well, there's like the matches. Drawings. I like the matches. Is the other? Oh yeah. Uh... Did he die? Um, because in in the shootout at the end, I couldn't see him, but it let me select him. Where it said like matches in in the um. In the shootout scene, when you hide behind the police car, if you look to the left, if you highlight like all the different items, it'll let you select something. It, it says matches, but I don't see him anywhere. And Marty just goes like, huh, sweet. Huh. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Um, I didn't think it he died. Very weird. Huh. Sweet. Yeah. Oh. Well, the thing is, I don't know if he died because it didn't show him at all, but it let me select what I assume was matches. To give him an arc, let's assume he died until okay. proven wrong. All right. Well, then he's my unweekly guy for dying. <laughs> you get one chance to survive, and if you don't, you're out. Uh, you blew it. You blew it, matches. You could have been nice, <laughs> you could have been a favorite. But now you're on the unweekly guy. You had a great name. That's a good start. <laughs> you couldn't follow up. You just couldn't follow up. At first, I thought it was because you know how you have to light the trail of alcohol to blow up the building. At first, I thought it was like literally some matches that you use to light the trail. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't see anything. And I was like, oh, I guess that must be matches in the garbage. Oh, I guess not. Because then you use the gun. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really don't so know what that's weird, about. Weird stuff in this episode. The the bug I got that it, I I liked it, but there's some there's some paranormal activity. Um. So, Dustin, I think that's our show. That sounds like a pretty good show to me. I think we can wrap it up there. So the next episode of Back to the Future: The Game is episode three, Citizen Brown, where we're going to be uncovering. What's actually happening in this alternate universe in which Doc Brown has become more omnipresent than ever? Uh, I'm excited to see what that's about. So please do I am subscribe too. to the show uh, so you get a notification when that episode comes out. And you can even leave a little review and a rating on the show. And if you tell me... And I'll read you, it in whatever voice you want. Yeah, Dustin will read it in any voice. And that usually means strong sad. i really liked back to the future episode two yeah see he'll do that for any review that you leave on our uh on on our little podcast thingy so uh please do that it would help out the show and please recommend the show to anyone else if our ramblings are to your taste and until next time we'll see you wait dustin where can people find you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you almost let it slip again. Yeah. Uh, people can. It's fine. I, I'll do it every you know time. What, I'll Mitch? do it every time. I think it's fine if you don't say it because we've said it a million billion times. But, you know, since you've brought it up, 
the the cool people out there can find me on Twitter and Instagram at amazing DJ Dustin. Um, where can they find you, Mitchell M- Mitchell uh, Marley? Whoa, uh, that isn't my name. Uh, they can find it's a me on. <laughs> <laughs> they can find me on Twitter at the Wolf FM. That's at T H E W O L F E F M. And until next time, see ya. Goodbye.